0: Listener.
1: Kick Bump acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulakut Wollum clan of the Boon Wurrung, who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Kick Bump podcast, your fortnightly D&M on all things motherhood.
2: One, two,
1: Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode. If you listened to the last one, you may be aware that Mandy is not joining me in this intro. And if you listened to Monday's app, you would have been introed to our lovely new producer, Lindsay. Hello. So welcome to the kick pod. Thank
0: you. <laughs> It's so nice to have you here. I feel very unqualified sitting in this chair as someone who is could be further away from being a mum, but I am a very passionate listener of The Kick Bump, so I feel like I, although have next to no experience of actual parenthood myself... Um, I do have um, experience of listening to your Harvey updates (laughs) over the last few years.
1: It's quite interesting because a lot of the listeners are much like you, Lindsay, and they just find it really fascinating. Mm. It's almost like you know, if they choose to go down that route now, they're going to be more prepared. (laughs) Yeah. I actually do feel like it is making me more prepared for,
0: I'm in a life stage, like Mm. pretty similar age to you, where a lot of my friends are starting to have kids or at least starting to have those conversations with their partners about having kids. And I think that listening to them, although I don't know if I'll necessarily be a mum myself, is making me more prepared for when I have kids and mums in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's – even if you don't have a kid, there's just like a lot of useful advice for people Thanks. who are inevitably going to have kids or parents in their lives. Yeah, because you,
1: you kind of get to know – what they might be experiencing mm-hmm. and how you might be able to help out. That's really nice. Thanks. <laughs> we just gave a kick bumper plug. So if this is the first time listening, you're just going to want to continue to listen. Yeah. <laughs> and the last Harvey update we got from you,
0: yes. he was throwing a bit of a tantrum about which <laughs> shoes you were putting on him. And we asked you guys what your toddlers have been up to. And this is what you guys have sent in.
1: When my son was about two years old, he
2: had a full-on meltdown um, because my husband and I wouldn't let him cut off his penis with a pair of scissors.
0: (laughs) I feel like that's a great story to bring up at this child's 21st.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is so funny. That actually reminds me like Harvey was doing something Similar with that area of his body, and um, I was like, "Buddy, you're going to want to stop that. That's not, you know, no, no, no. He was going to hurt himself, and he got really upset and angry with me when I removed him from the situation. So it's so funny because, like, how do you approach that? But yes, absolutely, scissors should not go anywhere near that area. Oh my god, it's so funny though when you when you try and stop them from something that as a as an adult you know is like so far from okay, and they are just. So dumbfounded mm. by being pulled away from it. Like, they are genuinely like, what is wrong with you?
0: Yeah, they haven't <laughs> developed that part of their brain where they can see like
1: action and consequences. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. Well, I mean, lately Harvey for me, he's um he's going through a few different phases. Um, but the the biggest one I think I'll speak to is um we are moving him, and I think by the time this comes live, we will be in the thick of it. But we are moving him into a bed, not a cot, which I have said before on this podcast when we took the wall off mm-hmm. his cot, so it kind of went from like a wallless cot, and we went through that, and then we ended up putting the wall back up again because we we weren't ready for it. Um we're ready for it. We feel like we want to attack this phase. I really love the idea of him being able to come into our room in the morning and like give me cuddles rather than just shouting from his cot for me to go and get him. Um, And so we've kind of been teasing him through it again by like talking him through how to take off his, sleep suit and to like climb out of the cot but obviously even then even when he's careful and he's out of his sleep suit climbing out of the cot is still there's still some risks involved in that and then coming down to see us so we were like okay let's just take the next step rip off the band-aid get him a bed and really go through the notions of like teaching him when he should be staying in bed and when Mm -hmm. he can get up because what we are worried about and what I suppose Josh is more concerned about as the parent who stays at home all day is him basically skipping his day naps Mm -hmm. because he has the option to get up if he Mm -hmm. wanted to and do whatever he wants in his room. So I've heard from other parents that it is a hard one to tackle, but there's something about it that I'm weirdly excited about. I'm not sure. I think I, I think I just like the idea of him like coming to me if he needs me rather than me. (laughs) But anyway, so I'll keep you guys updated on how that goes. I will definitely have more to update once it's actually happened. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting and I'm sure we are going to have lack of sleep. Well, good luck. Thank you. Keep us posted. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So today's episode is with Leonie Akidanor, who has been on the podcast before. We had her on in May and we spoke about sexless marriages, relationship issues after having kids. And that was a really, really great conversation. Leonie has her own podcast called Parenthood Podcast, um, where she speaks to parents um, and they open up about their own kind of confrontations and issues. And a really honest and raw. Myself and Josh have even been on the podcast, really enjoyed having that conversation with her. And in today's episode, we were really keen to get her back on um, and speak about specifically that newborn phase or even that early first year, um, particularly when the baby is kind of solely reliant on one particular parent. We got you guys to send in some questions. So thank you so much to everyone who did um, get involved and send in your questions. Um, We're going to answer things like, feeling disconnected from your bub when they first arrive, Um, feeling disconnected from your partner, maybe feeling like resentment towards your partner who might've gone back to work or still have their kind of elements of their normal life post having a kid and you're sitting there drowning. We speak through all of that and how to kind of approach those conversations that can be uncomfortable, but are super important to have. Um, So very, very excited to share this chat with you. And before we get into it, I do want to shout out to another podcast called Called The Dads and the Docs. This is hosted by Adam Denson and Maddie Fard, who you might recognize from Gogglebox. Box. Those guys are so funny. Um, but it's a podcast for new parents covering pregnancy labor, hospital in the first week at home, first month at home, first three months for dads. So if you're in the trenches of the newborn phase, it may be worth checking out. It might be worth, you know, sharing this with your partner as well but something that Leonie does touch on within this chat is it's always really important to remember that there's always two sides to everyone's experiences and you've got to really be open to how you might be both feeling in any given situation. So very important to keep in mind. So let's get into my chat with Leonie. Leonie, welcome back to Kickbump. It's so good to be back. It's so (laughs) nice to have you back. We spoke to you in May, which is like I feel like this year has gone so fast.
2: Honestly, I feel like it was like three weeks ago. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But how are you going? Good, good. Just um, yeah, I guess the end of the year rush, right? Mm -hmm. With I can't believe it, like there's Christmas stuff everywhere. You know, kiddos are getting excited, but we've got Halloween first. (laughs) I don't know. Like, there's so much festivities, which I absolutely love. So
1: I didn't even know Harvey knew what Halloween was, but Mm -hmm. I mean, like, this is the thing with screen time, right? So many people tell you not to have it, but I feel Mm -hmm. like he actually learns quite a lot Mm -hmm. from his screen time because I certainly am. And taught him about Halloween. And the other day we were walking down the street and he's seeing all these Halloween decorations up and he was like, Halloween house. And he'd point out the spider webs. And then I asked him what he wanted to dress up as at Halloween, not thinking he'd have an answer, mind you. Yeah. And he was like, a pumpkin. Stop. And every time I've asked him since, it's still a pumpkin. I'll give him other ideas and he's like, No, I want to be a pumpkin. So I'm like, okay. Have I'm you be a pumpkin? Have
2: you got the costume?
1: No, I really need to get on Oh onto my that.
2: god, my kid, the first um so Charlie, the very first outfit he had was a pumpkin. It was so adorable. <laughs> so like, I'm going to have to get some inspo. It's
1: so (laughs) (laughs) But I love it. I love the spirit of all of this stuff. The end of the year is a bit hectic, but it is also fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but today we wanted to talk specifically within the early days of parenthood, um, it, and, and around connection and Mm. relationship. So that's connection between you and your partner. Mm. Um, but also touch on connection with your bub. Mm. Um, so we've got some questions from the community as they all knew that you were coming on. And I would love to start with that newborn phase, which is a roller coaster in itself. Um, you know, your hormones are kind of all over the place, and it's really new. And there's a bit of adrenaline at the start, but then it kind of drops when you're at home and everything's starting to go back to normal. So, we wanted to talk specifically to those with within a you know within a partnership where one may be breastfeeding and the other is not. A lot of the community members brought up the the term like resentful or resentment, especially if they were the ones kind of getting up in the middle of the night and doing the feeding, and then also it's not just in the middle of the night; it's like basically every two hours in the- <laughs> just during the day, and it's exhausting. Um, and you get incredibly touched out, and you still kind of feel the weight of having to do other stuff as well. Um, and then a lot of people don't have much parental leave as well, and so you know within two weeks they might be back at work, and that's really tough. So. A lot of people were asking how to kind of approach those conversations if they feel like their partner is kind of going back to their normal life, which they're not really getting to do, and how can they approach those conversations in a way that's like not going to cause, you know, any further resentment or um, confrontation, but is just in a way of like, this is how I'm feeling how can we figure out how we can have more balance within it because it can't all be on me Mm. um yeah just how do you approach that especially in those early days because it's so tough it's so
2: tough and as you're talking i'm like being there like we all have right like to some extent you're like god is my life changing more than yours and Mm. i'm so frustrated um and uh, for over 100 episodes of the podcast that i've had um i've speak to mums and dads about their biggest challenges and this is one of the biggest so i guess normalizing this experience for everyone listening you know you not alone. Mm. What I hear a lot, um, just to, to backtrack a bit from the, the birth mums, particularly, is exactly what you said. Mm. But interestingly, and I'd never really thought about this until I started speaking to dads. Yeah. Dads are often sitting, or, and I should say dads or partners, yeah. obviously acknowledging same sex couples, but um, the partner that leaves for work, for yeah. example, is often feeling a level of anxiety frustration in a way that they're not actually able to be there for all of those special moments. Mm. And I never really thought about that. I was like, damn you for leaving. And Mm. like, here I am like with Vom all over me, (laughs) haven't slept and the baby's sucking on me, like so much going on for me. And you get to be yourself for a period of time. Mm. But I never thought actually the person walking out the door is kind of like, oh, like I'm probably a little bit relieved to leave, but also there's a mixed emotions there. Right. Mm. Um, And, you know, I'm anxious to come back because I often know that my partner is going to be a little snappy with me yeah. and is going to be a little resentful. So this is not the family dynamic that we're necessarily used to, right? Because yeah. literally overnight, your life changes.
1: Yeah, because instead of being, I mean, you still should always prioritize yourself, um, yourselves, and your relationship, mm-hmm. of course. But like suddenly, you have this huge responsibility now that you both have to prioritize them before anything else, and that's a huge shift. It's huge, isn't yeah. it?
2: Literally overnight. So I guess when it comes to communicating, be sort of. It's always good to have a bit of a perspective of what the other person may be experiencing. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, the next thing I always say is don't communicate when you're feeling hot-headed. headed. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think I said this last time too, you know, when you're just like sitting in it and then you're yeah. seething and you're like, now I'm going to say it because yeah. I'm about, my lid's about to pop. That is not productive <laughs> as we all know, but we all still have moments where we do that. Yes. I don't know, Steph. If yeah, I correct. do. hundred <laughs> percent. Too so, often. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, what I actually find is when you're in the thick of it, and you're in the fog, and you're in the haze, and you're noticing this resentment building. Um, firstly, if you can, when the baby's napping or something, just jot jot down your feelings and try and get through the fluff mm-hmm. and down to the crux of what it is. Right. So often, if we can, I find journaling can be quite helpful. Yeah, but same. just doing and whether or not you're, I don't know, recording yourself, just sort of talking or something, so that you can get it all out on the table and then go. Uh, rather than just being resentful mode, perhaps I can come at this in more problem solving mode, right? Like I'm feeling overwhelmed, damn them, damn this, damn Mm. that stuff doesn't help. But like fundamentally, what do I want to change? So I think having a bit of clarity around that before even approaching the conversation is always a really good step. Mm. Um, I appreciate that it's not necessarily always practical when you have you're needed so much by mm. a newborn but fundamentally when you find the time for the two of you to be get together uninterrupted. Yeah. So it might be the walk that you're doing, pushing the pram mm. on the way to the park. You've got 10 minutes, mm. Baby's sleeping, whatever. And you're kind of like, okay, I'm clear around what I'm resentful about. I've got 10 minutes now. Mm. And then you can sort of approach the um, you know, conversation in not a confrontational matter, yeah. but more that problem solving. Hey, babe, like been thinking I'm drowning. Mm. Uh, these are the reasons I literally, as you know, I'm up every two hours. Mm. I barely like have time to shower. I just don't even, I'm a shell of my former self, as you could probably tell. And I'm resentful. And I know you can probably feel that as well, even acknowledging that. Right. And then, okay. So given that I don't want to continue down this path. What can we do to maybe shift things and Mm. to try and, you know, operate in a better way? Mm. And then you've sort of opened the dialogue up and you might actually have some recommendations and we can go into that as well, but at least sort of starting it in that softly kind of, we're on the same team. You're Mm. not doing me a favor. This is
1: our child, Mm. like, you know, but I'm drowning. Mm. I need your help. A hundred percent. And I think it's something that came that for Josh and I, we had to work through. I mean, we were a little different in that we were in the thick of COVID when we'd had Harvey. So we were both home, which meant that he was around a bit more. However, I was still breastfeeding. So, you know, a lot more of that was obviously on me, but I got to a point where I was genuinely upset with him not reading my mind. And it, as ridiculous as that sounds coming out of my mouth, I would like go into these moments like as if you don't understand mine. And he's like, all you need to do is ask. Or all you need to do is tell me what you need and I'll, I'll do it. Unless I can't, then we'll talk about it. But like... And as soon as that kind of conversation happened, I was like, right, okay, so I can't be upset with him or angry if he's not reading my mind. I really just need to express what I need. And Mm -hmm. since then we've both done that, Mm -hmm. the both of us. So I understand that obviously it really comes down to the dynamic and you know, maybe how people split what they do in the household and everything like that. But for people listening who maybe are the other partner, And want to be helping more, or or even if they are about to, they are the partner who does need help, and they have been listening, and now they're ready to approach this conversation. What are different things that the non-feeding partner can do to help? Yeah, absolutely. Or to feel like I don't know that they're doing something, and and also. not just helping the person that feels like it's all on them, but also a chance to connect with the baby as well, you know, because there's so much connection in feeding, whether you're doing it through a bottle or breastfeeding, like that moment, that's something I miss so much. Yes. (laughs) They're like
2: this little, I don't know, like koala bear on you. And it's just, it is a pretty special um, experience. And I think first of all, perhaps look at the way you're structuring your day. Mm. Is there an opportunity for the partner to be able to step in and say, take ownership of an element of that day? So, mm-hmm. for example, I think of like midwife Kath got her yeah bath, you know bottle bed head earlier, yeah. yeah, so things like that, so you know perhaps partner is responsible for and, and maybe for example, on the feeding front mm-hmm. um I've spoken to so many couples that said their dynamic shifted when mum was able to either express or that they decided to have formula mm-hmm. or whatever it was, but babies started being bottle fed as well, and because of that, I for both of my boys I always made sure that there were a couple of bottles in the fridge because Mm -hmm. I was like, I cannot take on all of the feeding responsibilities. So, you know, for those listening, that might be an option if you Mm -hmm. haven't thought about it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, therefore that partner takes, even if it's the one feed at 10pm or whatever Mm -hmm, time it mm -hmm. is, um, to give you a bit of reprieve. And maybe it's bath time that they take, but you're sort of starting to give ownership for that person to then connect Mm -hmm. one-on-one without you present. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's really important too. Mm -hmm. I mean, often we forget that we're solo with the bubs a Mm -hmm. lot of the time and we have that connection, but often if partner's in there, you're there too. And it's kind of hard of, you know, but for them to feel a level of ownership and connection with the child, I think is a really good place to start.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. So I think the thing that I really had to, that I really struggled with and I had to tackle pretty early Mm -hmm. was that I I felt like I genuinely knew more than Josh. I did. I Mm -hmm. felt like I knew more. I felt like maybe I'd done more reading or I just had this connection. I just felt like I understood more. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I would try and like step in or I would watch the baby monitor. And I'd be like, maybe you should try and do... And it just got to a point where he was like, all right, we are not going to do everything the same. Yeah, There's not a problem in that. Yeah. Obviously the things that we like really need to align on, that's a bit different, mm-hmm. like certain parenting styles or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we've We've made sure we've communicated those with each other. But the little details... Mm-hmm really, they don't matter. Yeah. And I really needed to push myself to get past that and realize, I mean, I, I've always known he's a great dad, but I think it's like, I always just assumed that there was like only going to work my way.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like I swaddle this way yeah. or I, you know, yeah. or I get them ready
1: this way and it and doesn't matter. It really doesn't <laughs> like, you know, as long as they're loved and they're fed, like it's, mm-hmm. that's all that really matters. And I, but I think it is, it is something that you have to kind of get over and the sooner you can do it, or I love what you said about like, you know, the earlier. That you can have them helping in any little element. It means that the further it goes on, and they're more in more in depth in the habits and all of that sort of stuff. It's already welcomed within the routine. Mm. It's not like a shock to you or the baby yeah. that the other parent is more involved, mm. and I think that's that's something that I've heard even some of my friends have struggled with as well if it's yeah. gone on for too long without that assistance. That's right and I, I know that there's um, I can't
2: remember how many months it is but if your baby for example mm. isn't introduced to a bottle mm. within a period of time I can't remember exactly then the baby it's may harder. not take the yeah. bottle you yeah. know so I was like damn like week one I was like get that bottle in the mouth because <laughs> I was like I want to have options yeah. and then my complexity was I actually had engorged breaths. so yeah. I literally had have like Pamela Anderson style boobs and they were spitting out milk. And so I found that when I was expressing, I was producing even more milk. Mm -hmm. And so the expressing part was actually really tricky, but I was able to, you know, fumble around and get it done and and, and have that bottle in the fridge just for a a bit of Mm -hmm. separation time from me and the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And another thing that the partner can do is things like, you know, kind of supporting you in every way possible. So it's, for example, they might do the meal prep Mm -hmm. or they, they may, you know, I don't know, do the things around the house that you're struggling to get done. Maybe they're putting on the load of washing, mm-hmm. and maybe you need to communicate that as a team, softly, softly, so that you're um, they're not feeling like oh, she's just spitting out orders to me, but all but sort of saying, babe, I'm struggling to get X, Y, and Z done. Any chance you might be able to do that, and then we can all, I don't know, go for a walk to the park together. So you're kind of feeling like you're in this team sort of environment. And that's why from couples I've spoken to, having it in the routine Mm. can really
1: support that too. Mm. And then connection with bub. So we hear about these like magical connections that people have pretty instantaneously. And like I'll I'll be upfront and honest, like for me, I was pretty – pretty connected with Harvey from the get-go. However, one of my closest friends had spoken to me about the fact that it took her weeks, if not months, to feel like this realisation of, oh, my God, I am utterly in love and obsessed with you. But up until that point, it was, yeah, she didn't feel that. She didn't feel that spark. And I know that that's really common. Um, So I would love for you to talk through that because there was some community members who said that they were feeling really guilty about feeling that disconnection with their baby and they expected to have that immediate Mm. connection. So what would you say, I suppose, to reassure these parents if they're feeling this way and how common is it actually? Yeah, very. And I feel it's, yeah, people are hesitant to talk
2: about it mm. because it's like, does that mean you love your baby less? Mm. I experienced that with my first. So it was just a haze of having way too much of the gas and drugs <laughs> and everything at birth. And I felt yeah. as though when they said, here is your baby, that they'd gone to the next room, grabbed a baby, mm. brought it in and gone, the- here. Mm. And I just remember looking at it and
1: I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I'm I'm not sure. It and is then, weird, as not It's it? weird. Yeah, you're pregnant for so long yes. and it's like, you un- for the first time, you understand understand obviously what's going on yeah. but because you haven't actually experienced it when they do come into your hands yeah. you're like wow I can't fathom that you were under my skin right
2: <laughs> right <laughs> and so I remember them going to hand the baby to me I held the baby the squirming baby yes. for a few minutes and I was like Jules do you want to hold it now mm. like hold it now mm. like I was just kind of like yeah. I don't know like what just happened um and I struggled for the first few mm. weeks as well and it's funny the more I've brought that to the front with a lot of the conversations that I'm having the more other parents are like, oh, you know, me too. Mm. And I hear it also a lot from the dads. Yeah. Okay. Because they're not the ones, as we said, potentially yeah. breastfeeding and having that connection time yeah. as much as often the birth mother is. Mm. And also because often the birth mm. mother's like, I've got this and you can support me. They're kind of they're feeling a little bit more further removed. Yeah, okay. And then this is something else no one likes to talk about. People, often the dad can feel a level of resentment, mm-hmm. this is from conversations I've had, um, that the attention to some extent from their partner that they love so dearly has been taken away or has to be shared the baby too, yep. and so therefore things like the affection that mm-hmm. their partner once gave them and all of those things has all of a sudden dissipated, and they're yeah. like, "Dude, I'm standing over here. Like, pay attention to me. Yeah. Like, you know, where's my snuggles? And yeah. where's you know? So, and then that can also make the connection even more sparse because they're sitting there going, "Oh, like I love the baby, obviously, but wow, my life is jealous. really ch- <laughs> t- right. Yeah, no, and I no one it. likes to talk about these mixed emotions, yeah. and I think we don't like to talk about it because we don't want to be like but we you know it doesn't make us sound like we don't love like our children person, yeah, yeah but we do like I knew I loved my baby mm. and when it first came out and I was like did they grab a kid from the next room <laughs> but you know for me the love has grown so much more mm. over time where now I'm just like you know completely obsessed but I didn't feel that way initially so I think to those people listening who feel that way you're certainly not alone mm. and I think if more sp- people spoke about it you'd probably find that you're yeah it'd be so evident that you're not alone and and you shouldn't feel ashamed to sort yeah. Yeah. Have mentioned that too.
1: Have you found in any of your conversations with parents when, you know, maybe the birth mother has opened up to not feeling connected to their child that that sparked any kind of, I don't know, anything negative between them as well? Because I wonder if it's something that, that the other parent might think, like, well, what do you mean? Like, how do you, yeah. how are you not connected to them? Has that ever come up? Like, yeah. or is it pretty. Interestingly, everyone I've
2: spoken to has mentioned it after the fact. So they didn't I even felt nervous (laughs) to sort of say, Hey, like Jules, how are you feeling towards me? There's Jules crying, right? My my beloved husband crying, Mm -hmm. cuddling new bubs. And I'm just like, what just happened? Like so I, I felt and probably an element of nerves to be like, oh, so are you feeling connected? Because I'm not feeling connected. So we just kicked on with it. Yeah. And often that's what I'm hearing from couples as well.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I, it's very interesting when you're talking about that, that share of connection and love and affection, because I feel like that's like not just the early days. Like it's something Josh and I have to like consciously work through even now. Um, and it's, it's something that we continuously have to have conversations about because I have to pull myself up on it. It's like, when I especially, you know, I'm I'm not home all day at work and then I'll come home and often I'll go straight to Harvey. And I'm very guilty of doing that. And sometimes he'll have to be like, hello. And then I'm like, hello. <laughs> and it's the worst. I feel guilty every time it happens. Um and then we've we we have we have had some conversations where we kind of have to like realign and like I have to kind of switch out. And it is it's different now. It's like I love Josh more than i ever have because seeing him as a parent is just so magical to me Mm -hmm. and like being this family unit is so special to me um so i think that was really important to to point out that that is something that is very normal for couples to go through. very normal and the feeling of being touched out you know by
2: baby you're so you know by toddler bite, mm. you know, they're hugging you, they're coming in. Blah, blah, blah. And so then you don't feel the need necessarily to get your touch and affection, mm. you know, instinctively by others, i.e. your mm. partner. So mm. yeah, very normal to sit there going, well, we have to really make a bit more of a deliberate yeah. effort here. And it's funny you say um, the thing about, you know, running in and going straight to the kids. Mm. I've heard that a few times and I there was um, a relationship uh, coach who said one of the active um, things that, She always does is as soon as they see each other or she walks into the house, she always goes straight for the husband. And I remember hearing that and going, I want to try and do that. So, but it's a deliberate thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, You you don't, yeah. So I've tried to implement that when I can remember. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but the point is, it's not as instinctive as it used to be.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's okay. Cause I've held on to like quite a lot of guilt for it because I I mean, I don't want to make him feel like that. Um, but I think it's okay to also just talk about it and yeah. have those conversations. The other question I have from the community is around that postnatal time. Now, I know you've also experienced this yourself um, with your own kids. When you're feeling either disconnected or a state of depression, especially in the early days, how can you, I suppose, how does one understand the difference between just generally maybe feeling it on a lower level, but still maybe larger than what they've ever felt before of like unhappiness. And then postpartum depression, when does someone go to seek help? Like when is that point where it's really important that they speak to a professional about it. Yeah.
2: I mean, as you mentioned, I experienced both pre and postnatal depression with both of my children. They're only 18 months apart. So I felt as though I was like in this really bad place for a a number of years. Um, But again, not even just from my experience, but speaking to others, I feel as though even if it's not necessarily depression or anxiety, like it never hurts to reach out. If you're feeling So they say it's a consistent feeling um, over a prolonged period, but that shouldn't mean – I mean, I know for the postnatal, I sought help way too late because I thought – so for my prenatal, I was sad, Mm -hmm. crying, but having no emotion, not really knowing why I'm crying, Mm -hmm. just really – Anxious and all these things. And for me, I've always had anxiety my whole life. And I think there might be a hormonal or, you know, Mm -hmm. genetic thing there as well, where it spikes when I do have children, um, fall pregnant, et cetera. So there might be people out there listening going, oh, I experienced anxiety as well. But for me, yeah, it really spiked. And um, so that was, it was typically what you would expect a depression sort of um, symptom to be, was what happened for me when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm after the baby was, um, had arrived postnatal, I was angry and I'm like, mm. oh, that's not depression. I'm just, but I'm so angry talking about the resentment mm. of feeling the feelings towards your partner, yeah. angry that I couldn't put this baby to sleep, angry that none of the books were working. And, you know, I just didn't know there was no routine and angry that I hadn't slept in weeks and angry. I was so angry and mm. then felt ashamed for being angry. And I was like, this isn't depression. I think this just must be like what it is like, mm. okay. And then eight months down the track, I ended up having a checkup and they they were sort of like, you don't seem yourself. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'm just, I don't know. I'm so angry and frustrated and I have been for a while. And my doctor said, do you know, that's a form of postnatal depression? And I Mm -hmm. went, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. like now you've labeled it. And at which point I ended up seeking help. So I um, went to talk therapy, but had I known, or even if I was feeling for a period of weeks, you know, an element of like this just doesn't I'm not feeling myself. And I think just generally, obviously you don't feel yourself once yeah. you've had the baby. Yeah. But there should still, I guess, be periods of like where you feel quite elated or you feel yeah. a little bit more I don't know. Assured. Yeah, sh- like, yeah. I don't
1: know. What was, I get what, your, you're saying. what was your experience like? Did you have I think I honestly I think I was I was pretty I was pretty blessed, I think, because I had always been so sure of being a mum and like wanting it more than anything that when it happened for me, I just tried to be like grateful for a lot of it, but that's not to say that (laughs) it rocked me. And I had moments where I'd have to like leave the room and scream at the top of my lungs. Um, so like I, and I did feel, I felt the same thing as you in that when I would feel like I was at exploding point, I'd be really Angry at myself for feeling that way, and like, why can't you get through this? Like, yeah. grow some patience in you, would you? I'm um, very, very frustrated myself. I did feel like a little bit. I think I felt a little bit disconnected to who I was, but I feel like I've grown into a better person through this period. So I can look back now and appreciate it. It's really hard to like take myself back to the early days and mm-hmm. understand. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Sometimes it's like when you've seen the positive of the growth. It's really hard to remember how lost you felt, yeah. if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it does. It does. And I wonder as well for those who have a bit of a tribe around yeah. them. So I remember you sort of I, mentioning. Yeah, 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 I do, yeah. You've got a good t- So, I mean, for me, my husband left and went back to work within three days. Yeah, I was isolating. V- isolating, right. I was very fortunate that my parents for the first three months were around to mm. support. Um, so absolutely blessed for that. But then following that, the kind of life kicked on. And then, it can, and for those listening who don't necessarily even have mm. family or mm. whatever support, you are you can be more susceptible then to these emotions. Yeah. So, I guess to your point, it's never too soon to reach out. There are fantastic resources. Like I reached out to the Gidget Foundation, mm. and they subs, they essentially this is all they focus on, and mm. they subsidize um, your you know, therapy, whatever that looks like. So, you know, I'm sure there are others out there too. So I think, yeah, if you're feeling a bit lost for a consistent period, you know, it can't hurt to reach out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, so much for coming on I think um yeah the wisdom that you bring from the conversations you've obviously had and I would recommend everyone to go and listen to your podcast I think it's really awesome the way that you have these conversations with parents um I mean I Josh and I loved coming on and (laughs) and chatting to you so everyone can go listen to that if (laughs) they have any interest um but yeah you must just learn so much through the work that you do with with other parents so thank you for sharing it with us and I will just have to have you back (laughs)
2: would would love to
1: (laughs) no thanks for having me on again Thank you for joining guys. Hope you enjoyed that chat. If you would like more info, you can check out our show notes of the episode. And if you would like to get involved with the kick pod, you can find us on Instagram at kick send us a voice note or DM or question there. And we'll be posting all our videos and behind the scenes on that KickPod pod Institute. So you can show your support by giving us a follow. And if you would like to join a bit of a virtual mother's group is what we like to call it. We have our kick bump Facebook group. So you're all welcome. Welcome there. Uh, there's so much love and support in that group. It's something that I'm very proud to be a part of and we would love to have you. If you would like to learn more about Kik, you can head to our website, kickapp.com, or you can head to the Apple Store and Google Play Store and if you'd like to join Kik we have a seven day free trial. We will be back in your ears very shortly. Bye!